2: Good evening to you wherever you're listening around the planet. This is the driver's seat. My name is Nims Azor, joined, as always, by Stephen Johnson, who seems to want to cut it fine every single week. How are you, Stevie?
3: Oh, thank you, mate. I'm, I'm very good. I, I was cutting it. I was here 20 minutes early.
2: Woogie could, could could wouldn't fo- open
3: the door for me. Not only that, he's he's turning off mics when I'm trying to push Just, on buttons yeah. and stuff like that. I was fiddling with his EV at the back. You wait till <laughs> you wait till he puts his foot down on the way home. He's going to get a right shock.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> well, we have got. Uh, well, we normally would have uh, myself, Stevie J, and Matty Mac in studio today, but uh, Matt is he's, uh, he's decided to crack the sads because we played a joke on him last week. No, no, that, that's 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 a joke, of course. Uh, but uh, he's he's had a procedure done. Don't worry, uh, I'm sure everything's all in the right spots. But uh, stepping in into the grand old seats for Maddie Mac has it been the one and only Malcolm Owens. Good evening, gentlemen. <laughs> How are you going?
3: Finally, our show's worth something now. <laughs> so, Malcolm,
2: welcome, welcome. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what, this is... Uh, we, look we, as you can see it's all chaos here absolutely nothing, nothing is nothing different from what we normally have but uh look we will get straight to our first guest here on the driver's seat so let's fire off his intro Led from the start it's been a long time coming he spent a lot of time working in his sprint car craft across summer and how much has that helped him today in these changeable conditions good flag first. The flash of the headlights has been sublime in these tricky conditions tonight. Yeah, welcome back to the driver's seats from TechWorks Motorsport, the one and only. He is Max Fiddeau.
0: G'day boys, how's it going?
2: (laughs) Going well, Maxie, going well. (laughs) Welcome back to the show first up, brother, but uh, I'll tell you what, um, it almost seems like a bit of a case of deja vu, because the last time we spoke to you, you were the championship leader. It was after the AGP, but this time around you've got a, a shiny P1 to your name, man. Take us through a, an absolutely insane race win at the AGP in the wet.
0: Yeah, obviously um it, it decided to buck it down with Rangers before we rolled out, so uh, I, was, I was pretty keen for it. I've always been, been a good good driver in the wet, so um yeah, this, this guy's, uh let rip, and um yeah, opened up a seven and a half second lead on everybody else and just kind of managed to gap to the end of the race. So yeah, the boys gave me an awesome car at Techworks, but uh, yeah, amazing fun to drive.
3: Mate, uh, obviously started strong there last year as well. Um, and you were strong right through to, uh, basically where you had a couple of DNFs towards the end of the year, which really hurt your, uh, hurt your championship hunt. But, yeah. um, uh, you know you got the pace uh, and we've seen that in the last couple of years and uh, and obviously TechWorks doing a great job giving you a fast car there's a lot of there's a lot of experienced teams out there now isn't there with with the McElrays uh, you've got Alabama Motorsport there's a there's a lot of teams now in Carrera Cup and and if you can be at the pointy end of that field it's 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 not only uh, you know, I guess as a driver, you can't just drive around issues. So so obviously, not only yourself, but the team uh, are doing a super job at the moment and and getting speed out of that, uh, that Curra Cup car.
0: Yeah, so obviously, last year, it was pro- probably TechWorks' proper full swing at um, the Curra Cup Series. Obviously, COVID and, and all that kind of stopped that all for everybody. Um, mm. But yeah, it was, it was a good first year for us. We had good pace everywhere we went. We probably lacked a little bit of, um pace at the the tighter tracks, but um yeah, we actually just had a test day today and I, I think we've sorted that out and uh, yeah, should be good this year.
1: Hey, Maxie, it's Malcolm here. I just wanted to ask you, did I see you up at uh, up in Darwin in the TA2 series, having a crack as a co-driver up there? How'd you find that compared to the uh, the portion and the big old boats?
0: Um, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a different beast. Um, good fun bang for buck category it's an awesome category to drive around in and uh the racing's hard as, as it always is so uh yeah not not my my cup of tea that's for sure but it, it was something to do and obviously to, to get laps around darwin was awesome obviously uh our next round there so yeah it was good fun we managed to come third for the weekend so just teamed team that was brand uh yeah
1: great result when you when you're driving the Porsches, you, you you find you've got to be really really careful with them because just a touch to the nose and those things are, are out of the race pretty um, pretty quickly. Do you find that uh, with the the other competition in there, you've really got to take it a bit easy, particularly on those opening few laps?
0: Yeah, obviously, with it being such a competitive category and all the cars being as similar as they are, it's it's hard to be careful on those first few laps because that's really the the time that you have the best opportunity to pass cars. So. You'll, you'll find we have a lot of safety guards for that reason. So, everyone's trying to get as much cold type ace as they can. And that obviously ends up with mistakes and stuff like that. So, obviously, the, the radiators are exposed and uh, easy to pop, as we saw for Thomas Maxwell, my teammate, just a, a light rub in that, that rainy race and end uh, up popping a red. So, yeah, you've got to be super careful because uh, everyone's super hard and aggressive in this category. So, you got to find that in between.
1: Doesn't seem to take much to damage them, but they're beautiful cars. And every time I see a Porsche get crashed, I cry. They're beautiful cars. is <laughs> my favorite car in the world, the old Porsche. Have uh, you drive one during the week as well or just, just on the racetrack?
0: Uh, yeah, definitely don't drive one during the week. I've got a, a 1994 ED Falcon that I drive every day. So uh, <laughs> Nice. She's lucky to make it make it work for me. Um, but, yeah, no, good fun. Yeah,
3: great. Hey, mate, uh, obviously, you know, as I said before, there's been a lot of um interests and a lot of guys, you know, especially out of supercars, you know, I mean you're talking like Chris Pither, David Russell's back again for another for another crack, Alex Davison's back in there. Um, you know, and then you get young guns like uh, Garnet Patterson that have come across. I mean it's a it's a bloody strong category now and you've um you know and to be at, at at that pointy end, I mean, are you finding it that you're having to work even harder now this year to be at the front?
0: Um Definitely, we've definitely put in a lot more work this year with myself and, and obviously the car and the whole team just getting the whole package all sorted so yep, all, we're all working super hard to get there and obviously the field's amazing as it is we've got some big names in there and you look at the whole field It's the whole top 16 cars are within a second so yeah, super competitive and it's all just uh, getting all those one sorted sorted just to uh, keep you at the front Now,
2: um, Magic... Going on those names that are there, do, do you feel like this is becoming, because we even saw, like, we, we chat to, a, um, you know, I have a lot of drivers and, like, you know, guys like Luke King making the jump from uh, TCR into Carrera Cup. Do you feel like this is becoming, especially being as a support category for supercars, getting the coverage on KO and all, all that sort of stuff, that this is becoming a much more and more popular category, especially uh, considering the fact that, you know, there's that, choice to go international as well it's a well-known brand and that there's kind of like a pathway to go up from like sprint challenge to then to cup car like do you find that each year there are just more and more new faces and it's kind of like hang on the 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 game just keeps changing year on year
0: yeah 100 percent. i started driving sprint challenge back when i was 16 or 17 years old so i've been in the in the porsche family a long time but obviously the, the whole covid situation i was out of the car for two years unfortunately so um but yeah, every year you, you rock up and there's bigger names and the field's getting bigger. Heaps of pros, heaps of pro-ams. Um, we always put on a good show. And um, I, I personally feel that we are the, the second premier category in Australia. You go you, your supercars and then, then the only other pathways to go the Porsche way through a sprint challenge. And if you don't end up going to Europe, there's always going to Super 2. We've seen Cameron Hill do that. Aaron Love is currently doing that. And um, yeah. I think as soon as you jump out of your, your cup car, you, you seem to be competitive in whatever field you jump into. Is that yeah. something?
3: Is, you... that, is that a, sorry, sorry, Matt. Is that a pathway that you're looking at, Max? I mean, I know you've got to think of, you know, this year, the year ahead, right now, and you know you're leading the championship, and obviously, ultimately, that's where you want to be at the end of the year. Um, at what point do you then try to figure out what you want to do for 2024?
0: Yep, so obviously the the Porsche program gives us the opportunity to to go over to Europe and do the shootout to become a Porsche junior driver. Um, It's an awesome opportunity, and and if I get that opportunity, I'll I'll grab it with both hands and and have a go. But obviously Supercars is a massive deal in Australia and something I've always looked at doing. So uh, yeah, we'll just uh, roll with it and see what we can do
1: that was pretty much going to be my question is, is where, where do you think you'd like to be in a few years? Cause there's so much choice and I absolutely agree with you that it's an exciting category. The racing is close. And with some of the categories now that seem to be very processional, it's really good to see some hard racing. And, um, as you say, I think you can jump out of that into anything. Would you personally, is it, is it supercars ultimately you'd love to do?
0: Uh, yeah, I'd definitely love to do supercars at, at the end of the day. Um, I wouldn't also want to do NASCAR and a bit of sprint car stuff over in America. So my eyes are, are pretty wide open to to any opportunity I get given and, and we we'll, we'll just work with that. But, yeah, obviously growing up watching supercars, it's always something special for me. So you're
1: about, what, 22 or 23 years old, so you've been around already for quite a few years. Do you jump in any other cars? Obviously the TA2 was a, a bit of fun. Any other categories you have a play with during the year?
0: Um, obviously we've got the, the sprint car that we're running in, in the off season. So that keeps us busy here in the summer. And, um, that's about it. Just the, the portion of the sprint car at the moment. And then, uh, just whatever the boys want me to drive when I go to my driver training days, when I'm not working for tech looks.
3: Hey, I got a, I got a question for you. Apart from, uh, uh apart from a racing question, I know your boss pretty well, Rob, is, is he, is he always cranky or is that just, just him? <laughs>
0: It depends what morning it is. To be honest with you, it depends what size of bed he gets up on. But, um, no, no, Rob's a good laugh. He's he's very serious. He's super competitive, and we all want the same thing. So most of the time, he's angry for the right reason.
3: And and he is actually uh, he has competed quite a bit in in sprint challenge himself, hasn't he? So you know, a bit of a driver himself. I competed with him uh, in the in the Bath Six Hour in his Mercedes, where we finished third, and uh, he still hasn't let me forget that, that we didn't win. So uh, so he's still. <laughs> dark on that one as well, Nimsy. but uh, he's a hard man to please, Nimsy. let me tell you he's a hard man to please, but uh, but all in all, um, the good thing about Rob is you know exactly where you stand with
0: him. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong there, he's he doesn't hide anything, that's for sure, but uh, as you said, you always know where you stand and you always know when he's stoked, because he, he actually starts putting a smile on his face.
2: <laughs> uh, Maxie, I want to quickly go back to talking about the sprint cars for a bit, because uh, it's it's one of, like I, I spent a fair bit of time in WA, and it is massive over there. Uh, like, the Perth Motorplex on a Saturday night over summer is just one of the greatest places to be in town. Um, do, do you reckon that, like, when you see guys like Shane Van Gisberg and, and Cam Waters, they're doing a bit of sprint car work in the off-season, and I know down in Warrnambool, that's pretty big. Um, do, you, do you like seeing that... Because sprint cars, you talk about grassroots, things like that, and late models and all. It, that's the real... I don't want to say, like, you know, entry level, but it's a more accessible form of racing. Do you find that that popularity, especially now with streaming services and a lot of them have, like, replays and stuff, that it's given you a bit more exposure as a driver?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a completely different audience compared to, obviously, the, the Porsche Cup car. So it's it's given me a lot of exposure that way and then I've definitely opened my eyes on the, the raw speed of the cars compared to a Cup car. So... Obviously, we pull a few Gs in the Cup car, but nothing compared to the uh, 900 horsepower sprint car. And um, obviously, guys like Van Gisbergen and Waters coming to the sport is uh, an aw- awesome thing for sprint cars, and, and hopefully uh, a few, a few bit sprint guys keep watching us.
3: I tell you, it is. I have driven a sprint car, and uh, uh, not actually in a race, but I've done a few test sessions in, in a sprint car, and... Man, I, I mean, I don't know how you'd race those things compared to, uh, especially on some of the tight tracks that you run on, but uh, I guess it's like anything you get used to. It. But those things, seriously, are some of the fastest, one of the fastest things I've ever driven when you put your foot down, definitely the fastest thing on dirt. Like the acceleration rate pretty much kills any road car that I've ever been in. Mm. So um, they're a pretty amazing car to drive, Maxi. And, and do you find it hard to adapt? I mean, to go from one to the other? I mean, obviously it's totally different driving, so totally different, way of thinking set up the whole lot so is it hard for you to adapt
0: yeah definitely um i always get asked all the time if my wet weather driving comes from from the spring car and i every time i say no it's a completely different driving style you can not take anything you know from bitumen into into speedway and you can't take anything you know from speedway into into driving a cup car so it's a massive learning curve every time you jump in it and obviously as you said, the raw speed on, of them are ridiculous. And 900 horsepower, 650 kilos, so they're a bit of a rocket ship.
2: It's almost like you need split personalities to be in one of those cars, like your Porsche personality and, uh, and the uh, and the one for the clay.
0: <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, it, it's, it was actually harder this off season. We did a, a bit more testing in the Cup car and just jumping between the two. You'd rock up and you'd be racing guys like Luke Dillon and, and expecting to uh, to do the job. So. It's a, a bit of a hard thing to jump straight back into the sprint car. I find it a bit easier to jump back into the cup car, obviously. Done a fair bit more racing in a few more years than that. But, uh, yeah, it's awesome fun, awesome opportunity, and, and just another thing to learn.
1: Did you spend any time doing uh, go-karts? Because I was, I was actually watching um, the British go-kart series when there's like seven- and eight-year-olds just... And the, the most, some of the most exciting <laughs> racing that I've actually seen in a while. I look at some of these categories, there's five thousand that are really boring, and then I'm watching these, I'm watching these kids, and they were. One of the guys ended up on on his lid. It was fantastic racing. Did you go in there before uh, Formula Ford?
0: Yes, yeah, so I raced I raced dirt karts from the age of seven up until fourteen, and then moved over to bitumen karts. So, the cool thing about dirt carts is we just, we have no nose cone or anything like that. So, if you ride a few rider a there's a 95% chance you're ending up on your head, so it's, uh, it's it's exciting to watch the old dirt carts. Yeah, did that till I was 14, and then moved over to bishman carts for a couple of years before jumping into Excel.
1: I was just really amazed with the racecraft of these guys, these kids. You know, so young, and they were just really thinking it through and and doing some really good maneuvers. And uh, I can absolutely see watching that where the supercar drivers of the future are, and even some of the F1 mm. guys have come out of that. And uh, so i can see obviously you've only been 22 and you've, you've probably had you know 10 years or, m- or more experience already it's it's a brilliant start to a career would you would you recommend that to any young young uh racers, male comers, or fe- yeah. male or female wanting to have a crack to start there nice and young
0: yeah 100 percent there's no real other way you can you can do it obviously you can jump in the car at 16 years old but learning that race craft through go karts is is always the best way to go and and bang for buck racing is it can get expensive at the, the highest level. I know guys that don't even go to school. They get homeschooled and, and go and race cars pretty well every day of their life. But hmm. that, that's that's not what I did at all. I, I went to school every day. I, I went to to the track Wednesday Arvos with Dad and then uh, just raced on weekends. So it's um, the only way to do it. You jump in a cart, you, you learn your craft, and then you jump into a car later on.
1: What about Sims? Are they any good?
0: I'm, I'm in two ways with Sims. I've... It taught me a lot about drifting and stuff like that. Uh, it, that was awesome fun, and it's obviously fun to, to race your mates on, but you, you can't use it too much about how to drive a car. So the fundamentals are there, but you can't over overdo it. So if you're going to learn a track, just do your your hour on it and get the basics to it, and then roll out to the racetrack and do it properly. Yeah,
3: great. yeah and that's what I thought uh, as well, Max. The, unless you're going to sit in a probably a five million pounds worth sim like the F1 teams have got, probably even more. Um, the Any sims now that you can get at home, they're great. They're awesome. They, they're probably as realistic as you're going to get without having to, you know, design yourself a, a sim like those F1 teams have got. But, um, and and obviously what you just said there is what I thought. I thought that it's great fun, great fun with your mates, do all that sort of stuff. Maybe even a bit of strategy when you're, when you, when you're doing some long races to try to figure out, you know, you're obviously calculating your fuel and just understanding that sort of scenario where it be safety cars and whatever, but learning tracks is probably the biggest thing. And that's where even as a, as an amateur driver, I've had quite a few amateur gentlemen drivers that, that obviously do it because they love it um, to get on the sim, to learn new tracks to go to where they get to the track and they, A, they know which way the corner is going to go. B, they know what gear they, they need to be in and, and see, they feel more comfortable straight out of the gate when they go to a new track.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. I used to go on the simulator every time before I'd go to a new track, and and just spend that hour, two hours on it, just to, once again get your get your brake markers, get your gears worked out. And you're not you're not trying to create an overall lap time on the simulator because at the end of the day, that doesn't matter. What you do on the the actual racetrack is is what matters. So focus on your brake marks that you're really going to use in real life, and don't try to fake it on the simulator.
1: You don't want to do what Steve does on the simulator. He usually have about thirty-five bourbons and then get it on at about one AM with his mates.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that uh, that that was through COVID, and and that really uh, that really made for very short daylight hours in my life at that point.
2: I, I'd never thought I'd ever see Scott watch. I'd be watching Scott Pye eat that much, uh, to be quite honest, during those <laughs> Twitch streams. But uh.
3: <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Maxie, before we go, I know we got to go soon, but. Um, Just quickly, I've just had a text message through from your boss, Rob Woods, and he wants to know if uh, you know where his credit card is. Apparently he lost his credit card yesterday (laughs) and you still haven't been able to find it. And if you have got it without him knowing, we're we're going out later. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I, I I definitely gave it to him yesterday. He will <laughs> not believe me. The, uh, the man's getting old. His, his brain's not what it used to be, apparently. So, uh, But uh, if I find it somewhere, I'll let you know and we'll go to the pub.
3: Yeah, <laughs> oh, I reckon yes. there's a few more places that I'd go after the pub too. quietly. <laughs> <which is partly. laughs>
2: Uh, Well, well, before we get you into trouble, Maxie, we'll uh, we'll let you go, mate. Hey, hey, all the best to Darwin, mate. It's great to see that uh, that you're up in the front and a milestone win. That was some tremendous racing uh, that Friday at uh, at the AGP because, let's face it, uh, we didn't exactly turn on the weather for you, but it's great to see that you're able to adapt and actually get on the top step of that podium. And uh, best of luck for the Triple Crown, mate, and uh, hopefully we'll chat soon.
0: Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me again.
2: There we go. Max Fiddeau joining us here on the driver's seat. He can be part of the show too. 0433 98 1116 is the number on the temper text line. And i got to say, Stevie, like, uh, <laughs> I, I, I love the fact that, you know, a guy like Max, we literally see year, like, from this time last year to now, you can sort of see, like, there are gains being made. And who knows next time when we chat to him, you know, what he might be doing. He might be starting a Super 2 campaign. He might have got yep. himself a co-drive. Like, for a guy like him, who's still got so much time on his hand, the opportunities are endless.
3: Mate, they are. And, and you know, he's one of uh, a very few handful of drivers that is literally there because of his talent. You know, he hasn't got big money backing behind him. His, his parents aren't wealthy uh you know you know they, they work bloody hard and they, and they mm. for what they've got but you know he's just a like he, he grinds away in the background he doesn't stop he works on the cars non-stop through the week at, at techworks as well as he's a mechanic yeah, he's a mechanic techworks by trade and then and, and by trade also he he also built and, and raced quite a few hyundai cells um in the last few years you know down in south australia so he's had some a lot of business within motorsport but for him, at the foremost, he's, he's a driver and, and loves it, whether it be speedway or uh, or circuit racing. Yeah, great stuff. Make sure you get and
2: uh, follow Max on the socials, uh, Max underscore Vidro on Instagram, Twitter and all that good stuff. But uh, we're going to take a quick pause for the cause because Malconio is getting ready to slide open the doors live here for the Classic Cars Corner. We've got a belter of a topic too. Could you want to give a bit of a tease? So. The uh, the driver seat family at home can ready their text fingers. Sure, this one actually came
1: from um, some of the listeners who asked for this one, which is the nicknames of of racing drivers, oh. where they came from, and some of them are. Uh, I found a pretty a few pretty good ones, and <laughs> I'm already seeing on the on the text machine here a few. Uh, these really sharp comments about Matthew, which I'm looking forward to get getting to when we get a moment as well.
2: <laughs> well, Yeah, before we get to a break, I will read this one because it did make me chuckle a little bit. Uh, from Peter and Munter Bay, one of our classics. He's a bit old to be getting circumcised. <laughs> In <need> a microscope. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry, Maddie, I know you're listening. We love you, brother.
3: It's called keyhole surgery.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, time for a break. Time for a break, boys. This is the driver's seat. We do it thanks to Kavoda. Together, we are shaping and building Australia and New Zealand, the classic cars corner on the other side of this.
4: is the driver's seat for Kubota. Together we are shaping and building Australia and New Zealand.
2: It's great to have you company wherever you're listening around the planet here on the driver's seat. We do it thanks to Kubota. Together we are shaping and building Australia and New Zealand. A big thank you to Max Fideau for jumping on board. Uh, on the temper text, 0433 98 is the number. Keep your ticks messages coming in. Thank you, Frank thank and you, Fakatani. Frankie. He's always uh, he's very helpful, as you can see, Malcolm. Yes, uh, that's very helpful. <laughs> mm. But, but uh, keep him coming through. 0433 98 is the number. Uh, one from Mark in Merrygum. Hey, gang, if supercars don't start admitting there is a problem treating the fans like they're stupid and bringing the bloody fans along for the parody fix, they'll have bigger issues. I, for one, am not going to spend my hard-earned money to follow the series. If i already know I won't have a chance of seeing a win or, even worse, struggle to get a podium. Spend the money to fix it because it's a joke.
3: Yeah. Uh, pretty much. You the, can't argue yeah. with the fans, mate. Mm. They're usually, you know, 99% spot on the money. Yeah. I reckon it's mostly,
1: mostly right. But I think we're pretty early into a new, a new, um, generation of car. And I think it's going to take a little bit just to shake out. And we saw some glimpses on the weekend of some, um, different teams at the front, some Mm. different performance. You know, we're starting to see the old dogs, not there as much as, as the young guys. And, um, now, I don't know whether that's parity or whether it's different um, abilities to handle the downforce or the reduction in downforce. I mean, we don't often see Van Giz in the, in the wall.
2: No, no, so you know, and,
1: and the young blokes are just doing so well with it at the moment. Maybe they're just adapting quicker. So, I think um, absolutely right about the fans, though. If it's not right, um, don't tell us that it is. Like, it's, yeah, yeah, it's and, and and that simple. I mean, that, it's like anything in life. If you come out and say, "Hey guys, look, we've got a few issues. We know it's not quite right," a couple of yeah, stay with us for you know half a season. We're going to have a good look at it because anything new you can't fix straight away, whether it's, you know, bringing in new products in your business life, whether it's driving cars, you know, we always know when you, the new model comes out, you don't want to get one of the first out in the first three to six months because they're the ones with the issues. So, yeah. I mean, I've seen, um, a lot with, you know, with Brad, um, talking on, online on, on his Facebook page and various other platforms about the development that he's got going. And, um, seems to be a hell of a lot of work still
3: required on these things. Yeah. Uh, and still, yeah, there is, hmm. there is a lot of work, but, uh, but you know, you can't argue the facts of, of the results, you know, I mean, you look at it, if you let this go for six months, it'll be a, a Scott McLaughlin all over again, where the year's done halfway, you know what I mean? So there's no way if they let it go for six months, uh, and then decide to do something, um, it's, you know, it's going to be a, a one horse race with, with the, with the brands anyway, but, um, you know, and you look at the, I think I can't remember the exact stats, something like, I think there's been something like 20, 28 races or something like that. And, yeah. and I think, um, you know, or 28, something like podiums, whatever it is. And I think Ford have had two or three podiums total. And there's been like 20, 22, you know, Chevrolet drivers on the podium, you hey. know what I mean? So, um, if, if you're looking at parody, parody is, you know, uh, questionable 14 14 race wins or or 14 you know podiums for ford 14 podiums for chevrolet um you know w- what it might be what you know 10 wins for chevrolet 10 wins for ford whatever it might be you know what I mean that's that's parity uh, at the end of the day but um you know it is very heavily weighted one way and it was very heavily weighted the other direction too back in back in 2019 if you remember so um, you know they do have to get it right, and the fans were screaming back then about obviously um, getting things sorted okay. for uh, for the for the Holden side. The, so, the,
1: so Stevie, how, how much of that comes down to the team that was actually developing the car?
3: Um, well, it hmm. depends. I mean, don't forget that DJR were the, the developing team for the Mustang as well. You know, and and I, what I find, and and I'm not entrenched in DJR by any means. Um, so, you know, I'm not speaking from. Uh, information that I'm getting or they're telling me to say at all. You know, this has just come from me uh, as a, a driver that, you know, I've seen a lot of change in motorsport in the last 10, 15 years. Um, with all the money and all the tech and everything that, that there is at the disposal now and, and the amount of, um, don't forget, there's only one manufacturer involved here. There's only one manufacturer involved in yeah, supercars Ford. at the moment. That's Ford. Hmm. Now, if, if they get peeved enough that they can't see any light at the end of the tunnel where they're going to actually have a, a fair playing field, what happens when Ford go? You know what I mean? I mean, that's that's a, that's a, a harsh reality of what possibly could happen. And then there's no manufacturer involvement in supercars at all. Um, and what I just don't understand from my point of view is I don't understand the money that they've spent. The, and we've we've spoken about this and oh, how much yeah. over-budget everything is. And what we were with, promised too what we're promised, everything like that. Why would you not do what NASCAR did? NASCAR come over here to look at the model and then they obviously made the tweaks themselves the way that they do it to make the parity correct. And it came on the track um, 99 or 95% bang on. Why would you not take your two two of these cars and two of the team, DJR and Triple Eight over to the wind tunnels and get everything sorted right with that side of it? And then obviously the engine side of it, getting the two engines um, are the same as a different kettle of fish again. So, you 100%. know, it's yeah. it's very, very hard. I just don't think that they've done the, – I personally don't think they've done the process right at all. No, And I'm, and I'm probably going to get absolutely handed for this by <laughs> not, not so much fans because I'll probably agree is more so – um, you know, supercars, you know, even but, though I haven't gotten any involvement in they're saying, well, you know, I'm probably going to get phone calls from this, but I don't really care. We don't the... want
1: Ford, sorry, Nimsy. we don't yeah. want Ford out of it because then you lose, lose all the commercial viability of the mm. category and then the sponsors are going to go away and it's going to end up being a big, B class racing category, you know, somewhere behind Formula One and some of the other smaller categories because it won't have the backing and the support. And, and
2: you'll have grids that have like, you know, nine or ten cars or it'll be like, you know, late, the later days of the Nations Cup kind of thing. But um, mm. Yeah, we'll we
1: end up with Corollas and all sorts of stuff mm. racing around next to uh, supercars, which we don't want to go back to those days either.
2: Now, um 0433 98 1116 is the number if you'd like to get in touch. Keep your ticks messages coming in. Frank doing some overtime here today. Hey, Frank. <laughs> um, hey, boys, have a lot of talk about them. Mo- oh, also, another one too. It's also this, all this chat about parodying one, it's also incredibly unfair on the drivers because someone like Will Brown and Brody Kostecki, you'd hate you'd, for people to, because they're doing a ripper job. Erebus have just been completely yep. out of the park. You hate for, and because there are always going to be naysayers, but there'll be people like, oh, well, you know, if the Ford cars were up to scratch, then, uh, you know, well, if Cam and Chaz were actually had a good car, then, then we'd see what happens. Like, well, we, they're, they're only doing what they can do. So yeah. and it's the same thing that happened to Scotty Mack in 2019. Cause it was just like, Oh, he's winning all the roads cause he's in a Mustang. It's like, he's also a really good driver. And there's also mm. nine other Mustangs on the grid that aren't going and doing yeah, what exactly. he's doing. So yeah. you gotta, yeah. you gotta give a, a little bit back there, but i um, going back to the old temper text line. Uh, this one's from Greg and Upper Coomera. There were a lot of talk about the Mustangs running three different engine mappings at Tasmania. I don't remember hearing much about in the telecast, but the Mustangs were pee nowhere again. Only one race win out of nine races. When are we going to see the obvious performance divide or rectified? You're not wrong there, Greg.
3: Um, well, that was only a default race win, too, if you remember rightly. Yeah,
2: yeah, Cameron was because
3: SVG and uh, yeah, actually, well, SVG actually crossed the line first, didn't he? So, um, so they he got penalised for that. Mm. Uh, for that uh, infringement in the pits with the cool suit. And that's why um, Cam got the race win. Um, So a a couple
2: of quick ones before we open the doors to the classic cars corner. Uh, Breaking news from the MRI scan. Maddie Max said they're saying that they found a second of race pace he's lost and they promised they're going to install that back in him as part of the process of the MRI. So he's quick next weekend at QR. <laughs> Into
5: the wall for Matt McKeldon.
2: Very harsh stuff. Very harsh <laughs> stuff. Pop your name to that one, whoever sent that one in. Um, another one here too. Keyhole surgery. Love it. And the little <laughs> laughing emoji. But uh, here, a, bit, a couple of bits of advice here. One for you, Malcolm. Uh, this one's from Bad Dan. Thought Malcolm's Musings were a good name for his segment. What about Malcolm's Musings? Sorry, I was wearing a bow tie and I think someone hit a cymbal. Thank you very much there, uh, Bad Dan. It's not bad. We sort of have moved on from the te-
1: <laughs> classic cars. It's more, it's, it's more opinion pieces. <laughs> and, uh, and I have
2: an opinion. <laughs> and another one here too. Hey, Nims, get that dump button ready for Malcolm. Well, well it's, it's prime <laughs> and good to go because right now it is time for this.
4: This is the Classic Cars Corner with Malcolm Owens for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building Australia and New Zealand.
2: One from our listener. Was that voice Barry Bozo? Yeah, Barry did make a, well, he, ever since he was so, uh, he was so annoyed that, uh, Nick Perkett had re-signed. Now he's annoyed about the parody. But... <laughs> I've <I'm> re <re-signed. laughs> But, uh, take it away, Malconia. What do you got for us today?
1: Well, we we were talking about some nicknames and, um, I had a chat to a couple of people and we, we were reminiscing. So I've got, this is, there's a few different, um, for categories, but what I have to start with is, you now. say, Matt, we hope you're doing well. We know you're listening. Mm-hmm. Um, Look, we know there's a lot of people give Matt a whole lot of SHIT, particularly me. We know that he's a top guy, and you know he is absolutely a top guy. And when I first met him, you know things have changed significantly. Back then, we had to set up a co me page just to get the bloke laid. Obviously, that was <laughs> that was long before Mrs. Matt came on the uh, on the. On That's factual. <laughs> so, anyway,s a few there's a few blokes having a crack. So, um, let's jump into the classic cars and uh, specifically the the driver names. Um, so some of the nicknames come from memorable stories. Other might be far less, um, creative twists of the surname. So we've got a few categories to, to go through tonight. So pull on that helmet, tighten those belts and let's get on with it. <laughs> so let's start with the King Peter Brock. A lot of imagination in coming up with the name there, Brocky. Um, I, they also called him, um, Peter Perfect. And let's see if anyone knows why he should have been called Whiskers, but I'll just leave that one out there for the moment. Um, moving on, we've got, um, <laughs> Dick Johnson, uh, DJ and Tricky Dicky, and then Steve Jr. Johnson. Although Matt told me that that was more of a description of his anatomy than his nickname. (laughs) (laughs) Stevie Johnson having a couple
3: of little adult beverages enjoying the atmosphere.
1: (laughs) Hey Steve, I also uh, was told by someone who wasn't Matt that um, you used to have a nickname as Custard. Do you know anything about that
3: one? Well, I did. I I did have a nickname as Custard, and that was probably brought on a bit too much by myself because uh, it was actually, well, it's not as bad as you think, which is not really the, the sort of story that everyone probably wants to hear. Yeah. Um, but for whatever reason, this is when I was uh, back in the day racing in New Zealand at the end of the year um, in between obviously uh, Australian championships. And um, so I would do the Trans Am Championship over in New Zealand. It was some of the best and most fun racing that I've ever had and, it's where I really got to know guys like you know Craig Baird, Andy McElray, uh, Jimmy Richards would come over and race. That was when Jim was still racing here in Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was it was a very very cool time. And I, you know, mum and dad would come over, come and watch them race. And then dad would go back home and uh, and go back to work, but mum would actually stay in New Zealand and she'd want to party with us. Like we were obviously uh, out Sunday nights and and through the week, and then you know, get the race face on Thursday for the weekend. So it was some really cool times. Now we were out one night, uh, and with, it was actually Andy McIlray who, who owns McIlray race. It was his, his wife was out. And, uh, for some reason, uh, and I don't really know why, whether it was something to do with dessert or something, I started calling her custard. And, uh, <laughs> and, and this went for, yeah, this went for a few weeks. And, uh, cause we were there for sort of four or five weeks at a time. And, uh, and, it sort of kind of backfired on me because by the end, everyone's calling me custard <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Right. So I'm like, Hmm, that hasn't really turned out the best, but as you said, Malcolm, it's better than being called little Dick. So <laughs> <That's>
5: exactly <right>. <laughs> <laughs> now let's,
1: let's move on to the other commentator who, uh, I have to say almost begged me not to mention his name and it's not Maddie Mac. He has another name. But I think he needs a new one. So maybe some some people out there on the text lines come up with a couple of uh, racing names for for Maddie Mac. And I did promise that I wouldn't tell anyone that it was actually Diva. <laughs> <laughs> diva. <laughs> moving on, diva. Moving on. Moving um, <clears throat> on. Russell Russell Ingle, the Enforcer. This was during his career when he was in Formula Three. On um, he developed a, an aggressive style, cutthroat, killer be killed kind of driving style. Um, this was con- coined by a journalist that noted his aggressive trophy or the tree style of racing. Yep. He did say on an interview in Rusty's garage that he thinks this cost him a few championships and a few wins because he got penalized when he didn't deserve it because he was the enforcer. Mm-hmm. Although the only enforcing I really saw him doing involved trying to run over Mark Scaver at one <laughs> time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a highlight. Um, Erebus driver Brody Kostecki is called Bush. Now this is a good, this is, I like this story. He was out with his cousin and, uh, Kurt was driving and they were out at Paul Morris's normal motorplex on the Gold Coast. So Kurt was driving an old uh, VT Commodore that was going to the wreckers and said that the brakes were feeling a bit soft. So Brody was in the passenger seat, come around the corner on the main street, about 120 k's an hour in the wet, no brakes. So um Brody decided to jump out, undid his seatbelt, bailed out. He slid 150 metres up the track <laughs> and into a bush. And that's why he's called Bush.
3: The name has stuck. He literally, now this is no joke because that thing, and I remember, that thing was going off the end of the straight at a rate of knots at, at the normal motorplex, and it was wet. So as they're heading towards the trees... um and if, if they really needed to know what to do, they should have spoken to my old man. He's, he was the expert at that. <laughs> they were heading towards the trees and, and Brody's like gone, oh, this is not, nah, I'm out. He <laughs> literally unclipped his seatbelt, opened the door. The thing was still doing probably 90 k's an hour and leapt out of the car. So anyway, so, uh, so Kurt's gone into the bush and, uh, and Brody's sort of half gone in the bush as a passenger on him, on the ground himself. He didn't get hurt. I think Kurt hurt himself. I think Kurt even broke a collarbone or something with a seatbelt. But like they went into the bush the run knots and, and and fair damaged the car. Oh, uh, <laughs> and I think I think it was like maybe a day later because it was so soggy and wet out there. And it was it was grass, but it was, you know, when grass turns to mud when it's so so wet. Um, Brody's I think it was Brody's phone was buried and trenched into the ground like, you know. Ten centimetres under the grass, somewhere in a divot, that he ended up going back and finding. It was, yeah, it was, it was. I don't know. I, I wouldn't have the balls to jump out of a car at ninety kilometres no, an hour. I just hang no, on. Who bails out?
1: Hang on out. Out. <laughs> and scream. Bales <laughs> <out>. <laughs>
3: Brody bails out.
1: <laughs> uh, it's funny. And Greg on the temper text, your uh, your answer is correct. <laughs> well done, Greg. Well done. <laughs> uh, a few others are more modern ones. Jamie Wincup, J Dub. An interview, interview, he said J-Dub was short for JW. I think it's got a few more letters, but anyway. <laughs> um, Cameron Waters is Camo. Bryce is the Prince of Dar- Darwin. Prince Anton of Darwin. gets Dan. Will Brown is Swill. Mm-hmm. Fabian's yep. always been Fabs. Mark Winterbottom is always frosty. That's a frosty, pretty obvious. Yep. One. And Craig yep. Lowndes was the kid even when he was 50. From when he started, mm. I think he was 16 or something in his first supercar's drive, wasn't he? 16 or yep. 17? Yep. Yeah. So I, I, being an old bloke and, and unlike uh, Max and others that we interview here that were born on the right side of the uh, the 2000s, us blokes <laughs> on the other side, um, look back to the day of this, of the, um, the 70s and 80s. And Steve yeah. may be able to help with the origins of a few of these because he raced with a few of those. And a few of these names came from the legendary commentators like Mike Raymond and Evan Green back in the day. Yep. So um, I'll just run through a quick, stop me if you got a bit of a story on any of them. Tony Longhurst, no baloney Tony. Nope. Yep. Marcus Ambrose, the Tassie Devil, which he, he had in the US as well. Yep. Paul
3: Morris, the dude.
1: I, just, I don't know why he's called the dude. Did, do we know the origins of that? Uh, or I we... think
3: he probably gave that to himself. You know, I'm just a dude. <laughs> <You're> the dude. <laughs> just problem. call me the dude, everybody. Yeah. Paul would have done that for sure.
1: J- gentleman Jim Richards, remember him? Good bloke. I remember
3: Mm -hmm. Gentleman Jim, old Jimmy. And and if you speak to dad, uh, as much as he's a gentleman on the track, dad says that is not the case on the (laughs) track. So he doesn't know where he got the Gentleman Jim from when they were speaking about him on track. He says that was definitely not the case. If Jim (laughs) was behind you, yes, you were definitely worried.
1: (laughs) Uh, Lightning Larry Perkins. and we had uh, Glenn Seaton, baby-faced assassin.
3: Yep. Uh, George Fury, Farmer George. And, the funny uh, thing is, Seto now, if you look at him now, he doesn't look any different. He does, That's yeah. probably why he's called the baby face. So he doesn't look any different to what he was looking at that in-car camera, chewing on chewing his, drink his drink straw, straw. Yeah. driving around Bathurst at 280 k's an hour. There was, he, a,
2: there was a photo of him and his son, Aaron, and I swear to God, it's like someone cut out the, the book cover of the Seto camera. Um, um, biography that the sleuth did, and just stuck it on because he looked exactly the same. It was like copy, control C, control V, like hundred percent mini me spec that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, <clears throat> Alan Grice was spicy Gricey. Mm-hmm. Neil's yep. on wheels for crompo. <laughs>
2: that's yep. that's good. I like, I like I like that one.
1: Yeah, Neil's on wheels. Yeah, this one I like. <laughs> <laughs> Phil Brock split pin. Now, do you know the yeah, origin of that pin? one? No, I don't. <laughs> uh, Kevin Bartlett, big rev Kev. That was a good that's one. That's good. That's good. Yep. Uh, Peter Jansen, the captain. Yeah. He's a bit of a player, that bloke. And uh, Paul Radishitz was the rat. The rat. So some pretty cool names in there.
3: What about Wayne Gardner? Remember him? Yeah. Wayne Gardner, Captain Chaos.
1: Yeah, I know why he <laughs> got that name.
3: <laughs> captain Chaos, I remember that. Crompton, Crompton. I don't know if he, because he was his teammate back then in the Coke Commodores back then, so I don't know if, if he started that or if it might have been a Mike Raymond, Barry Sheen maybe. I think it yeah, could have been a yeah, Barry Sheen. As a a Sheen a is a Sheen moment. Yeah. <laughs> All
1: right, because this is the classic cars corner, and even not it's about classic cars, let's talk dicks, right? So, what's mm-hmm. where's your finger going over there, Nimsy? I'm just I'm
2: just hovering over this mouse <laughs> just in case.
1: <laughs> okay, so we have <laughs> we have Dick Johnson, tricky Dicky, but there have been a few famous racing dicks. Here's a couple of them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is Dick <laughs> Passwater. And I'm not making this stuff up. You can Google it. You can fact check me anytime you like. <laughs> right. So the iconic Richard Passwater known as Tricky Dicky Passwater was a champion NASCAR driver in the fifties driving a 1953 Oldsmobile. Could you imagine the names he'd get today if he was driving but they're not so polite? <laughs> not right. So, so these go downhill, Nims. You say like the next one, and this is, yes, this is actually true. Um, Dick Trickle. Trickle. Dick I was going oh, yeah. to say Dick Trickle. Dick Trickle. Uh, one of the most Dick. iconic names in motorsport history with a long and successful NASCAR career through the 80s and 90s with uh, more than a thousand short course victories over two days. So the Trickle was uh, was pretty handy.
3: The Trickle was very, very good, wasn't it? <laughs> and don't forget it was made even more famous by um, Tom Cruise in Days of Thunder. His name in that movie was Cole Trickle. and. The reason he had that name Trickle was because he loved the name Dick Trickle. And he's like, I've got to have that name. <laughs> I want that name. <laughs> I'm gonna change it
1: slightly. <laughs> okay, I'm saving the best Dick for last, Here and I go. can't and I can't make this up. Dick Seaman, that's not real. It's real. Seaman was an accomplished Grand Prix driver in the 1930s, driving for Mercedes, where there's been a progression of dicks over the years. Um, Seaman hit a tree and died during the race in 1936 at 26 years old. Apparently it was quite messy as the car rolled. Seaman everywhere. Um, History has forgotten Dick Seaman due to the fact he was one of the only British drivers to ever compete for Nazi Germany in GP racing because he would have had a long and fruitful life as a meme if he was around <laughs> today, wouldn't
2: he? Well, Steve's going to need some time to recover because I don't know if you can see him on the camera there, Malcolm, but uh, the man's gone and lost him. <laughs> oh, I
3: was just, oh, my God. because I just and, and not only that, I was laughing at that, but I'm, I'm crying. The, uh, I remember, I remember when I was over in America with my dad, and when he was racing at Sears Point, which is Infineon Raceway, for the first time. And it's the first time any of these American NASCAR drivers had seen him. And it's Dick Johnson. But the thing is, over in America, they call their we know what a Johnson anatomy there. is a Johnson, right? Yep. <laughs> so they go to me, and they go, "So your dad's name is Dick, Dick," <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I didn't know what to say. And I was a 15-year-old kid, I went,
1: like, yep. Are you winding me up, Nimsy? Well, we're, we're, we're going to have to. I haven't even got to the Formula One
2: drivers yet. Oh, no, we're going to have to take a quick break here. Okay. We've gone down that rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> Time to sl- I'm slamming the door shut to the Classic cast Corner. But we're going to get to some of your texts. so we'll do that in just a moment. <laughs> we'll regroup. We'll, re- we'll regroup. I'll be back. With more of The Driver's Seat, because we got to get to these texts. 0433 98 11 16. You listen to The Driver's Seat. Thanks to Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building Australia and New Zealand.
3: Where does semen go?
4: <laughs> this is The Driver's Seat for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building Australia and New Zealand.
2: Welcome back to the driver's seat right across Australia on 1116 SEN, 1170 SEN in Sydney, 1629 SENSA, SENWA, Tassie, and, of course, Top End and SENQ in Queensland. So it's great to have your company wherever you're listening around the planet. As Dwayne Russell would say, keep your texts coming through. 0433 98 1116. It's the first time that Malcolm's had the temper text line in front of him. And uh, it, we, we kind of have to... It, they're coming in thicker than we can read them at the moment. So, These are uh, out of
1: control. I love this. <laughs> this is just awesome. I think Dan needs an early night. He's had a few drinks, but I love your commentary there, Dan. <laughs> <laughs>
2: On your
5: death.
2: <laughs> um, uh, this one's from uh, Carl in Bayswater. Hey guys, nice to listen live for the first time this year. Missing Maddie, but glad to hear the boss, Malcolm, filling in. Cheers, Carl. Thank you Thanks, for tuning Carl. in, Carl. Uh, we appreciate it. Um, we've had a couple of people uh, gone and text in their own nicknames. Some I can read on air. Some I can't, as you've probably read. Some I wish we can. God, <laughs> Maybe we'll save some for later. Um, so, But uh, here we go. This one's from Tom in Hobart. It's not a nickname, but Stingray Rob from IndyCar is a cracking name. Uh, Mark in Merigam also yep. put that one. Not a nickname, but Stingray Rob Racing in the Indy 500 this weekend. It's a very American name. So his first name is Stingray. Yep. And his last name is Rob. Yeah. I actually had Rob. to look
1: this up because, um, Maddie actually mentioned it to me the <laughs> other day and I got Stingray, that's a cool name. Um, his, his old man was a racer from many years ago and mm.
2: he, he loved Manta Ray right, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he loved the
1: Stingray car and had a succession of these Stingrays, and obviously called his kids Stingray. Now I've heard of girls called Mercedes and Porsche,
2: but never a, a bloke called Stingray. Stingray, <laughs> you, you'll love this one because uh, uh,
3: my... thank Christ I wasn't called Falcon. <laughs> I was Falcon about, Johnson. I was about yeah, to call,
2: yeah, you did get called something similar to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. I was about to say because my my partner, she's from Townsville, and uh, she has a friend that she uh, used to work at Target with that named, uh, their daughter after their car. Calais. Oh, no,
3: exactly. I'm, not no, really? I'm
2: not joking. I'm not joking. Calais.
1: Some nice, some nice uh, sometimes cars are named after girls, so
2: why yep. not? I, I don't think Pintara Azor works <laughs> well, so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's another one. Um, this one's from Lee. Hey boys, you're lucky. The show's sponsored by Kubota because you're going to need them to dig you out of the mess.
5: <laughs> yes,
2: the mess.
3: Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Lee. Um, Dick, Dick Trickle's got a bit of um. Dick Seaman <laughs> he, is, is, yes is, he came first the other weekend. It was great good drive. <laughs> Our friend Mr. Trickle's got a few quite a few on here as Mr. well. Mr. Trickle
2: and Mr. Seaman are the two famous dicks that's uh, racing dicks that's in. Uh, <laughs> Two famous racing Richards. Should have stuck to swimming, says Peter in <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Peter in Winter Bay.
3: We did miss though. Uh, who's that? The Text Big G 342. Is that is that the Big G? I think that's Lee. Yeah, Lee's oh, 342. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so David Skippy Parsons. Yes, I remember David Skippy uh, yeah, Parsons.
1: Yeah.
3: Partnered Cedo for quite a few years, actually. There you go. Uh, and just some final advice
2: from Dan: Don't Google any of these dick names. You go down a rabbit hole, especially with Dick Trickle. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I end up on a medical site.
5: <laughs>
3: oh, imagine! Imagine if your missus sees your, uh, your, your um, uh, what do you y- call your it? Your you, you, you Google search history. Your Google search history. exactly right. Um, Why are you googling um, dick names for race how's, drivers? Uh, how's
1: the Numbering 775. Dick Seaman died at 26. Most dicks are in their prime. That's stiff. <laughs> <laughs> Poor old Dick.
2: And and here's another one from Dan. Calais is the biggest stripper name ever. Future career decided when you name her that.
3: Look, <laughs> uh, look Dan. I wouldn't know I've never been to a strip club. Uh, <laughs> Nimsy's child, Camry. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was Pintara.
2: We're going first car or current car for that one, Lee? um, um, Keep your text coming through. 0433 98 is the number. Zach, we did get your text. We will get to that in just a moment because we're going to get to our Repco hot lap. That is coming up next right here on the driver's seat. As always, we do it thanks to Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building Australia and New Zealand.
4: is the driver's seat for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building Australia and New Zealand.
2: Doing some real uh, how the sausage is made stuff here. Now, a lot of people have often joked like, oh, I love how you guys, you know, Matty always goes and takes the P155 out of Steve because he's always just getting in there a split second during the airbags, making teas and coffee. Well done it. Well done, Steve. That's, well, that's bang on <laughs>
3: That was a three-minute coffee.
2: That was fantastic. Well done,
3: mate. Well done. Um, couple. Of... I was just rolling in the door there, and through Woogie's headset, which is lying on the bench over there, I hear this. Uh, the uh, obviously the intro a little from Sting. The, from, I'm, like, I'm like the stinger come up, I'm like, oh, that's perfect timing. I'll just sit down, put my headphones on, give the camera a thumbs up, and we're, thumbs away. up and we're done. <laughs> Um,
2: it is the driver's seat. We do it thanks to Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building Australia and New Zealand. Before we get to our hot lap, we'll get to a couple of texts, uh, lads. A girl I used to see as a boy called uh, she has a boy called him Henley. Funnily enough, she lives in Henley Beach. Seems a bit lazy. For your information, <laughs> seems a bit
3: lazy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> for your afternoon my nickname is Cav. And uh, another one here from Lee, the, the racing Dick. So just for those that have just tuned in, Dick Trickle isn't what Maddie's getting looked at today. Um, it's actually a race car driver. And uh, we're getting some sponsorship. Imagine him on, on the side of the car, wet wipes. Would that be one for, <laughs> yeah. for Mr. Trickle? Or Johnson & Johnson. Yeah, Johnson
3: &
5: Johnson.
3: <laughs> um, I still don't know to this day how Dad and I didn't get Johnson & Johnson sponsorship. Surely when we raced at Bathurst together, we should have quite easily have got Johnson & Johnson sponsorship.
2: <laughs> even just on the window, on, on the windscreen, just the, the top yeah, windscreen balance. even if it bit. was just a lifetime
3: supply of baby oil.
1: <laughs> hey, Steve, is it true that you still got pallets of Jim Beam cans somewhere in the uh, DJR back room?
3: Uh, there was, there was, but uh, one big dick has uh, seemed to have um, misplaced a lot of that in his belly.
1: Hey, I've got a question for you, Steve, that I've wanted to ask you for years, right? So you've got a sister, Mm-hmm. Right. Big fan of the show. Kelly, yeah, if Kelly. you're listening, yep. thank you. So, yep. what was it like when Kelly brought blokes home and the door opens and there's the big dick standing there when she was a <laughs> younger girl?
3: <laughs> well, he Go could to be bed, a little Jack. bit in into- Go to <laughs> bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Alone. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. I guess it would depend on uh, on what the bloke was like when we first met him because dad can be. As you know, Mel, like yourself, uh, pretty straight up and down, straightforward and very dry. God, so very, uh, put, it, put
2: it this way: you, you, you're not going to die wondering what no. the big thing is. No, are, yeah.
3: exactly right. So anyway, so just going on nicknames, just quickly, and I, I don't know if I've told this story before, Nimsy, But um, this one guy, um, uh, my sister was dating. Anyway, so the reason she was dating him was because we lost our. Uh, we had a. Uh, yellow crested cockatoo as a, as a family pet for years. And, uh, he was great. His name was Jake. He was very homely. He'd Walk around the home. He'd sit on your shoulder. He'd, he'd lie down on your shoulder while you're watching TV while, and drink dad's bourbon while he's drinking it as well. So he's, <laughs> he was a very cool bird anyway. So, uh, so unfortunately, um, years and years and years later, he, uh, he he passed away, and then we got another one, and, and this one was the different, this was the more rare um, red tail black cockatoos, so very cool, but and his name was Max, so uh, Max would, you know, you'd call him, he'd fly to your arm and he was he was very cool, but you couldn't let him outside, whereas Jake, who had his wing clipped, he could go outside, walk around, he'd walk up trees outside, like he'd be 20 metres up a tree, and we'd be calling him, and he'd come down, and, <laughs> and he was very cool, but Max ended up getting outside and Max ended up was flying around in circles, trying to figure out how he was going to get back inside. But because he wasn't trained in, in obviously, uh, you know, wasn't practicing flying cause he never used to fly. He got tired. So then he ended up looking at the tambourine mountain view from Daisy Hill where we were and headed that way. Anyway. So dad went on the radio, um, back then, um, I think it was B one Oh five back then yep. up in Brisbane. That's the one. Um, with Jamie Dunn and, um, and who, who used rang... to be aggro
2: back in the day, he did, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. dad,
3: because because <laughs> dad knew knew all them personally, so he rang Jamie and said, "Listen, I'm, I've, we've lost our bird." Da da da. So um, Jamie put it out on the radio. Anyway, lo and behold, a week later, um, they ring dad and say, "Hey, we think we found your bird. This guy's found your bird." All oh, right, okay. So dad went out, and it was like a Jimboomba. It was miles away from where we are, <laughs> like miles. And uh, so we went out there. Kelly came out with us, and we and Max was found in this person's backyard eating their mangoes out of their mango tree, uh, and but also he Max would walk up to the the, the lady, which was this guy's mum on the porch, and start drinking a scotch while she was sitting on the porch drinking a scotch. So anyway, so we found Max, got Max back, um, and anyway, so my sister started dating this lady's son who found the bird um, for for years, you know, and uh, so. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't dad, it was me that nicknamed him. So after a while, I ended up nicknaming him Ace Ventura. I just used to call him Ace. <laughs> so, yeah. so we used to call him Ace as as a part of Ace Ventura Pet Detective, and uh, and it stuck. It was great.
2: That's very good. That's very good. Nice work, Ace. Um, uh, we we'll get we we'll get to some to just about because they are coming in thick and fast. Uh, one from one from Brendan in Brisbane, long time, first time. Best show in the game. With all the fashionable chat these days, reckon Trans Am might do a Budweiser to attract a new market sector. Love your work. I'll just put it down and say. Probably not. No, um, no, no, no. would be that one. Uh, one from Lee, Woogie. That's a race car driver's name. What does Woogie do there? Um, <laughs> Woogie, you might, for our Queensland listeners, uh, Woogie does some fantastic work uh, in the rugby league space. He uh, He's all over the league. Rugby league. Thank you very much, Mr. Volandi. He's host of Sports Day uh, Queensland. Woogie'd and- have to do truck racing. Have you seen the size of him? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, he is one scary mofo. Woogie well, he is, uh, but he's got the the heart the size of Farlap. We'll put it that way as well. Yeah, uh, he needs he's, it, to, and he drives he, an
3: electric vehicle.
2: <laughs>
1: he's a very angry man. God, oh, I can't believe that. Um, another,
2: <laughs> another one too. This one's from uh, from Graham. Evening, gentlemen. Firstly, sending happy health to Maddie Mac. Uh, thank you for that, Graham. Uh, I was watching some of the practice sessions from uh, from Tassie and noticed that leaving the pit position, an Erebus car pushes its way into the line on the peak hour return to the track. Is there an etiquette in pit lane during practice to follow? Also, if there was contact with a car already moving in the fast lane or it has to swerve to miss contact, can there be penalties applied? That's from Graham Stevie? Is during uh, the race.
3: Yeah, there is absolutely. there is during the race, but no, nah, it's a it's a free for all in practice and qualifying and and being that um, Tasmania is so heavily weighted towards um, having, uh, you know, a toe down the straight and following certain cars and and track position. um, You know, they were playing a lot of games, you know, when you're first down the line, um, like, you know, when you're in that instance, when you're triple eight or DJR, um, it's very, very hard. If you want to position yourself and go out, um, you know, in, as a fourth or fifth or sixth car it's very very hard because once everyone starts pushing out they're all trundling down uh, pit lane at 40 k's now literally with a cigarette paper between the bumpers <laughs> because they want to keep their position and you know you can't literally you know get out so first of all you don't want to force yourself out and cause contact in practice because the last thing you need is a damaged car to try to go into qualifying uh, and that wouldn't be good so uh, but in a race it's a different story you know you sort of you're really trying to, to make that one spot there. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard one. And, 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 you know, I think, and you saw Brock Feeney, actually, he literally almost stopped on the straight, which I thought was dangerous because he didn't want to be first on the road, yeah. pushing all the air for everybody. So yeah, horses of course. Oh, but I love that. I love that about Tasmania because it just brings another element into it. Yeah. And it can throw, and it didn't work for DJR. Obviously they had dramas through qualifying with contact with Cam Waters twice and, yeah. and another issues. So Sometimes it works for you and sometimes it works against you and definitely does mix up the field.
2: Uh, One last one before we take a break and we'll, we will get to our Repco hot lap because uh, we are seeing a rather interesting season here at the moment with the Gen 3 cars. Um, This one's from Zach in Canberra, one of our regulars. Good on you, Zach. Um, How much of the early season dominance has been down to parity and how much of it has been down to Erebus and Triple Eight stealing a march in the field and doing a brilliant job at the end of the day? They're the only two teams doing the winning. And I think Zach pretty much summed it up right there. Pretty simple.
3: Yeah, it is pretty simple. And and only two teams doing the winnings. But, you know, you got to remember there's a lot of other Chevrolet teams that are not normally there that are there. You yeah. know what I mean? At the end of the day. And I'm, I'm not taking anything away from Jack LeBrock, Cam Hill, you know, Bryce Forward at AGP. You know, like, that's great. And, and and but, you know, the, the stats obviously don't lie. Yes, it's only two teams doing the winning. But if you look at the whole, you know, I think what there was one one forward in the top ten um, yeah, it, in, in qualifying. Like, was, you know, so it was yeah. It's and yes, DJ had a few issues, but still, um it's very heavily weighted one way at the moment. And and some people like it because that's the side that they're on and some people don't like it.
1: Hey Steve, just before Nimsy puts that slider up, um, did you hear there's some discussions about the side drafting which you guys were talking about? Was it last week? I heard yep. the commentators talking about side drafting after the um, after the hairpin there. I thought that was pretty interesting. <laughs>
3: well,
2: I, yeah, well, they maybe could send us maybe, an invoice. Obviously, there. Yeah. Uh, I was <laughs> going to yeah. say
3: maybe they can. Uh, they can. You know, Maybe give us some credit then, Nimsy. Give the show some credit.
2: I was about to say. Well, because, uh, what was it? Um, it's not the first time, too. scafi stole our uh, schoolies for adults. Yeah, uh, yeah, once the, yes, the Gold well. Coast. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, oh, the we out, some... We hear you, Mark. We <laughs> yeah, hear yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're yeah, gonna, absolutely. We're going to take a quick pause of the course and go through the hot lap next right here on the driver's seat. Thanks to Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building Australia and New Zealand.
4: This is The Driver's Seat for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building Australia and New Zealand.
2: Welcome back to The Driver's Seat. We do it thanks to Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building Australia and New Zealand. Right now, it is time to fire off this.
4: And now, this is the Hot Lab. Thanks to Revco Authorised Service Centre, the expert car service you can rely on. Book online at revcoservice.com.
2: Yep, you can rely on your local Repco Authorised Service Centre. And we were talking about this. This has been the big discussion throughout Season twenty two, twenty three. 23... Uh, sorry, uh, 2023. But are we seeing a bit of a changing of the guard here? Because if you have a look at the top ten at the moment, you've got Brody Kostecki at the top of the table, Will Brown in P2, Chaz Mostert in P3 in the Championship... Then Shane Van Gisbergen, Brock Feeney, Cameron Waters, Andre Heimgartner, David Reynolds, Will Davison, and Jack LeBlock. Jack LeBlock. Jack LeBlock. <laughs> rounding out the top 10 here. Now, it's a good mix of drivers, but if you notice, there is literally a whole handful of 25, 26, 27 year olds. And I want to ask you, Stevie, are we seeing a bit of a generation change here? Is this that? Where We're seeing eras cross over because we've seen this with, you know, in the late 90s when Jim Richards, Dick Johnson, Glenn Seaton, John Bow and Scafie were there. But you saw, like, Craig Lowndes burst onto the scene. I mean, he was 21 when he won his first championship. Then in the 2000s when Scafee and HRT were dominating, we saw the emergence of Marcus Ambrose, Russell Ingall. McKellie's, yourself, Will Davo, Mark Winterbottom, Garth Tander, James Courtney as the young up-and-comers. yeah. And then during the 2010s, you see Jamie Wincup having a monopoly on the championship, and then you have the next-gen of guys that are Shane Van Gisbergen, and David Reynolds, Scotty Mack, Chaz Moss at Cameron Waters,
3: who are now the old guys now, which is really funny. And yeah. Do you reckon that this is... Doesn't it, you know? I mean, you're not going to see it constantly evolve because, you know, it takes... Four five six years in this category to just establish yourself properly uh, and then uh, you know obviously to, to prove your worth uh, to then have a, a long long lasting career in there and and we absolutely we're seeing it again because you know you are getting to the point where the Chasmos yeah he's not old but he's he's the more experienced you know he's he's one of the more experienced or the most experienced out there you know, obviously James Courtney is but um, um but yeah like it's it's one of those things that um we, I think we see them every, you know, eight years, mm-hmm. eight to ten years, you know, where it changes, like you said. And um, uh, it's happening right now, you know, with young guys like Brody Kostecki, Will Brown, um, you know, Brock Feeney. You know what I mean? It's, they're, they're so much younger. And they're getting the opportunity so much younger these days as well yeah. if they take the right path and they, you know, get the right results. They can get – my first Bathurst was 94. So I was 20 when I had my first Bathurst. Yeah. And um, you know, I was, um, uh, you know, and obviously then from there on, uh, I waited, you know, six years or or the seventh year to be full time. So you know, my first full time year, um, yeah, it was. I was uh, I was sort of mid to late twenties. And you got to look at
2: even guys like we'll we'll use Mark Winterbottom as an example, a guy that just celebrated you know six hundred rounds, joining uh, the club that only yep. three drivers have done, like. he's won a championship in bathurst in um you know Bathurst 2013 championship in uh, 2015. 2003 is his first race like how long does it take to get that to just claw your way into a a a point in time where you know you're kind of comfortable as yep i'm a full-time driver now like it it takes a lot of time and you, you at some point in time like you also forget Will Brown made his supercars debut in the Enduros in 2018. So it's only yep. now that we're talking about him as like, this guy's a championship contender. That's that's like 2018. I know it feels like it was yesterday because I don't know about you, Mel. <laughs> 2018 feels like it was about two years ago. We lost a few years, didn't we? With Yeah. yeah. The thing I'm amazed with this is that you look at
1: the um, the ages of these guys and it was interesting. I know we didn't get a chance to, to do the uh, one, two, threes, but I had... Um, I had uh, Brody Will and I also had Brock in there when, for, for mine because, and just look at the average age of those guys. And, I, and I look at Brock Feeney as a classic example. This guy's 20, and I saw some very clever racing on the weekend, some hard racing. Yeah. And the guy's 20 years old. He's in the hottest seat that you know that, that's in the biggest team against Shane, and he's ahead of Shane a lot of the racing now. Yeah. And he starts are good, and I saw some really clever stuff. You know, not trophy or the trees. He was thinking, thinking well looking at how he's going to pass, making some clever pass, and he didn't didn't succumb to the pressure from blokes behind him. So I think for a bloke, there's 20, you know, and he's had a couple of, th- I think, three wins now. Yeah. It's um, yep. that's, that's unbelievable when you think about where he'd come
3: from and, and the seat that he went in for, you know, following Jamie. It's a big, big ask. So yeah. very impressive. And he's, uh, you know, obviously he's fifth in the championship. He's only... 19 points behind Shane, but you got to remember Shane's had effectively two DNFs now as well. So yeah. it just shows you how strong he has been um, to be still in P4 of the championship with two DNFs already this year. So obviously one at Newcastle uh, with that infringement they got found guilty for and obviously the other one at, um, at Tasmania on the weekend. So, um, yeah, so very... <laughs> very interesting it's funny you almost expect
1: him um him to be uh, 30 points ahead at this stage don't you just yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. it was almost we would have put money We put your house on it at the start of the year that Van gis was going to be leading the championship
2: at the halfway mark and and uh wrap we are. It, wrapping it up yeah mm. Mm. um uh, that was our hot lap uh, you can rely on your local Repco authorised service centre for expert car service you can rely on book online at repcoservice.com we'll take a quick pause for the cause Gabe's on our Facebook page went and sent a message uh, before the show started. Um, uh, With the SVG NASCAR announcement, I don't think he'll be a full-time driver next year. We'll get into that and a little bit more because we want to talk about SVG making his NASCAR start, but we'll do that next, right here on the driver's seat, all thanks to Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia and New Zealand. (laughs)
4: This is The Driver's Seat for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building Australia and New Zealand.
2: Wherever you're listening around the country, this is The Driver's Seat. Thanks to Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making Tomorrow Matter, shaping and building Australia and New Zealand. So You can jump on our Facebook page and get in touch with us anytime, which is what Gabe's did Thanks for tuning in, Gaves, by the way. Um, uh, she went and mentioned with the SVG NASCAR announcement, I don't think he'll be a full-time driver next year. Now, before we even get to talking about his future, we have to talk about his NASCAR debut because it is, well, pretty damn exciting for us. Uh... Oh, mate, I was on the hot lap. Yep, yep, calm down, Shane. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it it is a very, very big deal. And, like, Steve,
3: did you know that this was in the works? I'd heard rumours about it Um you know, we uh, even though we we chat a little bit, we we sort of try to make it a point that we don't, you know, give anything away to each other. And that if that makes sense, you know, yep. like I don't want to pry on what he's doing, and, and and vice versa, he doesn't pry what's going on with stuff that I know. So, in that regard, so no, I sort of don't. But I, I sort of knew there was something in the works there, and and uh, I there's been rumours for a while because obviously that's what Trackhouse do. Track house look around with their second car. Um, and obviously the Ross Chastain is, is one of their main drivers, a full-time driver. Yep. And, um, and you know, hopefully Shane doesn't go near him or, uh, or, or do anything untoward on the track with him because <laughs> Ross Chastain might come up and thump him. But, uh, as we, <laughs> as we saw that, that fight in the pits, uh, recently where Ross Chastain, um, just about KO'd that uh, that other young fella, but he chastised him if you will. He chastised him, <laughs> mate. Yeah, he chastised him. But, but um, I think that um, you know that's that's been in the works for a while, and I think it's 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 very impressive that they can, uh, you know, that 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 model that they're working on um, by getting you know very successful and highly rated drivers from around the world to come and drive their car is very very cool and gives a very good opportunity to someone like you know, like Shane, who's clearly an amazing talent in, in any car he steps in.
1: And it's also really clever to put him on the road course. Cause if you look at Marcus yep. Ambrose's success, it came on the road courses yep. because that is what his DNA is. When you look at the, the ovals, it's a whole different, uh, kettle of fish. Um, yep. Although Scotty's doing a pretty good job of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if you if you saw just the dominance that Marcus Ambrose had back in the day on the, on those road courses, I think. Shane's got a, a pretty good chance of uh, doing something a bit special, I think. Oh, Oh,
3: one hundred percent. That there is, there is literally, and I and you know maybe I'm just uh, inflating his tyres a little bit here because um, you know I just you can just see how good he is, no matter what he gets in. I, I got a feeling that he can win that race. He will be able. He he has the talent and the brains uh, and the work ethic to win that first race. Totally, and really throw. the the pigeons with those uh with those US guys that are that are you know, I guess some of them call themselves um, you know, expert street course drivers, you know. Whereas in the past, you know, when when Marcus started, a lot of them he really I mean actually was when Dad first started there, Dad went over there and um, you know, because he was a rookie and he drove from a lap down at one point there to get well back into the top five of a race and they're all going, Where the hell does this Dick Johnson come from? Seriously, like and even, um, a couple of the legends like Dale Earnhardt, he said to my old man once, and I remember dad telling me this, he goes, um, cause dad was always, dad would struggle on the, on the ovals because the ovals is a very, very unique thing and a very, very unique way to set your car up. And if your car's not good, it doesn't matter what you do at an oval, you're not going to be good. Yeah. Dale Earnhardt turned around to my dad once and said, listen, son, if you can teach me how to road course race, I'll teach you how to drive an oval. Well, so, from Shane's cool.
1: perspective, it can't be any harder than rallying, can it? I mean, it'd have to be easier than winning a, a rally. Yeah.
3: And I think the cars now, the new uh, car of the future. The next gen. NASCAR, the next gen car, um, is a lot closer now to what Shane currently drives than what the old cars were, than what, that, what Marcus raced. So uh, I think that for that, you know, he, he'll get the powers, no big deal, um, the brakes and the, and the tire grips, no big deal. It's a sequential box. It's a left-hand drive car, but that doesn't really matter. Shane gets in left-hand drive GT cars and, and, and there's no issues at all. So, uh, I, I can see him doing really, really well. And that Chicago street race is new for everybody. So no one's got data there. No one's got experience there. So they're all going to need to learn the track. And if there's someone that I would bet my money on, that's going to learn a lot faster than others is Shane.
1: <laughs> yeah. Best possible opportunity for him. I think in that, yep. that
2: track.
3: Not only that, it's also a
2: great sort of endorsement for our category here. I mean, I remember yep. when when Trackhouse, which is the, the, the team that he's going to be driving for, they just went in all over their socials. Like, they were just showing highlights of him. And in the ZB Commodore winning Bathurst, uh, his burnout at the Adelaide 500, it really made, like, supercars. It's just like, if you aren't watching what they're doing in Australia and down under – you're really missing out. They made him seem so box office. And when you're following names like Kimi Raikkonen that have been in that car as well, like, of course, like, it's it's not like he, he it's not like he, he cut out something on a cereal box and mailed it into the States. Like he, he got this on merit. Like that's, yep. and that's what we all need to remember.
1: Hey, we'll have to claim him as an, as an Australian because they won't know what New Zealand is over <laughs> in the States.
3: <laughs> Actually, we've got a good text in from Lee here. What car, is the track house car a Ford, a Camry, <laughs> Nimsies, or a GM? It's a Chevrolet, mate. Yep, so it's a Chevrolet. So it obviously works in with uh, with what Shane's doing here. So uh, I can't see uh, the Red Bull Ampol racing team letting him drive a Ford, that's for sure. So No, no it's a Chevrolet. Um, so it keeps it all in line and – Keeps all the sponsors happy.
2: It'll grow an audience for them for sure. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, Zach has sent us a message from Canberra. The fact it's the first ever street race in NASCAR, given Shane has plenty of experience on street circuits, I genuinely think he can win it and win by a massive margin as well. A road course race would probably be a bit more difficult, but I think the full-timers could turn it into a demo derby with no room for error. I think you're pretty spot on spot there, Zach. On, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll take a quick pause for the cause. We've got to get to more of your texts in just a moment here on the driver's seat. We do it thanks to Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia and New Zealand. And remember, get the driver's seat app. It's got podcasts, news, videos and interviews. It is a must for all motorsport fans. Get that on the App Store and Google Play. Back with more after this. <laughs>
4: Is the driver's seat for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building Australia and New Zealand.
2: It is great to have your company on the driver's seat on your Wednesday right across Australia.
0: Great to have your company wherever you might be watching around the planet.
2: Thank you very much, Dwayne. Um, 0433 98 1116 is our number. Mm. Get your texts through on the Temper text line. Uh, we've got a fair few coming in thick and fast. This one's from Tom in Hobart. Uh, when Jack Smith can run down David Reynolds from three seconds back, maybe there is something to look at. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> you said, said it, Tom. You as said, I said it. Our yeah.
3: fans are not
2: silly. Yeah. Uh, here's another one from the Big G. Evening, gents. I remember being at Oren Park when Stevie J made his championship debut in the Fud Ruckers Falcon. Oh, where uh, the, was that? That
3: was in 94. 94. That was in 1994. That was the EB Falcon. The what Falcon? EB? No, no, EB was it was it was sponsor.
5: It's Fud an Ayud Falcon.
3: <laughs> Not nearly. Not quite. Nearly.
2: Nearly. The old Fuddruckers. The, Fud the
3: Ruckers. The old Fud Ruckers. So Fud Ruckers was brought over to Australia by a very close friend of my mum and dad's, and um, it was basically, unfortunately for Fud Ruckers, it was, and I believe they're still in them in in the states. It was probably five or ten years before its time here in in Australia. Yeah what so was Fud it was. So Fuddruckers was a it was a burger burger oh, um okay. place. L- l- almost like a like a franchise. Are, like, are you like shocked, a Malcolm? Mm, yes. I guess you sh- but, <laughs> but it was it was it was a fairly unique and very cool idea. It, 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 basically it was Subway. Basically what but Subway came along years later and, and it obviously worked. Well exactly that was right. That was quick nimsy. Yeah. He's very good with the old button pushes here. <laughs> Damn it. Um, but yeah, so... We Fud should Ruckers... get
5: sushi, Carol.
3: I <laughs> don't <laughs> know. Sushi has been here for years. <laughs> um, so yeah, Fud Ruckers was, um, it was basically, you know, you could go in and you can order a, a, a quarter pound or half pound burger and then literally, like Subway, you go through and go, yeah, I want that, 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 and they make it fresh for you as you're standing there. And then at the end, you grab your burger and away you go. So it was actually really cool, but because burgers back then for the Fud Ruckers... Um John's about, saying about say about that five bucks. times
1: really as fast as you can. Yeah, yeah exactly. Tommy right. from Hobart.
3: <laughs> they were about ten bucks ish, you know. And then that was you know, you look at Maccas back then, you know, like you look at it now, it's ridiculous. But like back then the was five to six bucks for a big Mac or whatever it was. So you guys
2: plan these out, don't you?
3: <laughs> I'm doing well here, aren't I, with You're doing
2: real well, creds. happy meal uh, for uh two ninety five, remember back in the day when I was a kid. It, it,
3: exactly right so yeah. it was literally just ahead of its time and it was a bit expensive and it didn't really work but if it was here now if it, if it if it was attempted 10 years later it would have it would have been you know crazy gone gangbusters
2: do uh, do you just want to quickly mention though, that McDonald's is a, a fine establishment uh, a proud partner of uh, uh, SEN and its various it, uh, subsidiaries it but um and, one and I just might and I just
3: and I'll just <laughs> and i just mention too Nimsy that Ruckers Falcon back in 94 at the debut did out qualify one Wayne, Captain Chaos Gardner, and Mark um, Bigshinol Skafe. I blame all this stuff
0: on Stevie Johnson. He started
5: this thing, and yeah. people are just doing it everywhere. Yep.
3: Everywhere, mate. <laughs> everywhere, mate. So yeah, so uh, that was very, very cool. I think we qualified eleventh. We're in front of a couple of big names there, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a very, uh, very unique and very cool, um, surreal. Debut for me.
2: Here's one from Lee. Well, fancy that. Stevie J, sponsored by a burger joint. Thank you, Lee. <laughs> Absolutely right. Uh, hey, speaking of stuff, uh, now you might notice today, well, normally I'll have like a sponsored shirt of what uh, whoever our guest is, but unfortunately I don't have, uh, Maxi doesn't have any merchandise uh, that he can have, <laughs> uh, at least none that I've got my hands on, because you know very well that I can. And we've had a lot of people go and ask about things like, you know, Uh, Can we get driver's seat stuff? And, of course, the mugs, mugs, which we talked about over Christmas. But um, we finally, thankfully, you've opened up the doors to the Classic Cars Corner, extended it into the online space, haven't you? We have. We have. So if anyone wants to get a driver's seat T-shirt,
1: they can go online at ClassicGarageApparel.com. That's ClassicGarageApparel.com. And select the the T-shirt and also click on the mug and then when you get to the checkout, there's a, a section there for um, a discount code. If you put S-E-N in that discount code, you will actually get the mug for free. So I think Nimsy's going to put it up on the socials. Yeah, we'll
2: whack it up on the socials.
1: So that's ClassicGarageApparel.com. And there's a whole lot of uh, classic car t-shirts there to have a look at, as well as when you're buying the driver's seat t-shirt. So thanks for that.
2: Yep. So uh, That's very cool. Do yourself a favor and uh, check that out. But um, that's, that website, once again, is ClassicGarageApparel.com. Uh, we will pop that on our website. And when you do buy a shirt, make sure that you take a photo, tag us in it, put it up. We'll uh, share it on our stories on the gram and whatnot. So uh, make sure you do that. That website again, ClassicGarageApparel.com. A couple more on the temper text line. Uh, this one's from Dave in Carlton. Uh, second time, short time, regarding parity, aero and centre of gravity have been tested and equalised, engine mappings tested, and hopefully the AVL dyno will finally resolve that. How do you put the parity news to bed if there's still grumblings around the different way the Mustang package uses its tyres, more than the Camaro? What sort of tests remain that could be performed to snuff that
3: out? Well, uh, you know, I think the... Um, I'm just sort of reading it here. So... Uh, it's got it. They've got to go in a wind tunnel.
4: Yeah, there's
3: literally there is no other way. You can't do it up and down a runway with so many different uh, variables on yeah. on track and wind and rolling resistance between a Camaro and a and a Ford and you know the, the different way or whatever it might be. You know, like there's there's literally no other way you can do it than literally sit it in a wind tunnel and have the wind go over it and have data analysis on that. Like they do in Formula One, yep. like they do in NASCAR, like they do in Formula Two, like they do in World Endurance Championship, like they're doing everywhere. Why do you think, <laughs> why do you think that Formula One put a cap on how many hours F1 teams are allowed in a wind tunnel? Yeah. Because it's a massive benefit. Hello, supercars.
1: But that's one get variable away. though, isn't it? I mean, we, yes, it's absolutely, that they absolutely need to do that. They need to put a couple of cars in a yep. plane, send it over the States and get that done properly, as you said before. Correct. But there's variables within the different componentry, right? And there, as long as you have two makes or more than that, there's always going to be, oh, that's not fair. That's not fair. So unless you turn the series into a Toyota 86s where they are all the same brand, the same spec, there's no variance at all. People are always going to say, oh, he's got that advantage or he's got that, or he hasn't had that. So, yeah. um, and then it starts to negate the ability of the driver. So unless we're going to put drones in the cars that, yeah. that are completely equal in, in their ability, we, yep. we don't want to have that. So I think, and, and look in the old days, and, and Stevie, your dad was great at this. You'd have a half-buggered car that you put into the fence and you still just drag it up a couple of laps around Bathurst and and um, get back into the points. So yeah, I think some of that's a little bit missing. So we get to the point where it's too sanitized. And I think the first race on the weekend at Tassie was a bit like that. I, I found that quite a boring race. It was very much a procession. But fortunately, the second and third races, there was a bit more maneuvering, a bit more banging around. But... You know, we, we, we don't want to sanitise it so bad that it's all, uh, it just becomes perfect. And we, we used to criticise yeah. F1 for being a procession.
2: Yeah, Um. Uh, quickly, before we take our final break, this one's from BC. Gents, great to hear SVG can actually win in a NASCAR. I'll be watching keenly, but what then? He's signed till the end of 24. Well, BC, he's actually got an option to get out if he gets another option, if he gets another offer. And last, this one is hilarious. Now no free-to-air Formula One. Very unfair on people that can't afford paid TV. No one-day internationals. Half as much AFL footy. No Grand Prix bikes. What's next? A very sad Shano from Mentono with still no KO. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I was wondering where you went, Shane, but uh, we'll take our final break and wrap it all up next right here on The Driver's Seat. Thanks to Kubota. Together, we're shaving and building Australia and New Zealand.
4: is the driver's seat for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building Australia and New Zealand.
2: A couple of quick messages before we finish up. This one's from Tom in Hobart. Any idea who the genius that decided the racing at 4pm in May in Tassie was a good idea? I've never been so cold in my life. Take it back to early April. That's from Tom in Hobart. And one from Zach in Canberra. For you, Stevie. Uh, any thoughts on how Scotty McLaughlin will go at the Indy 500 this weekend, Steve? I think Penske have got great cars in race trim, but they're probably a bit too far back in the field after Quali. My money is on one of the four McLaren entries to win. That's from Zach in Canberra.
3: Yeah, mate, the, the McLarens are fast, that's for sure. Um, Scotty Maxony only P14. He's not that far back. It's a 500-mile race, long way to go. I think the Penske cars, you're right, You're right. they are fast in race trim like they were last year, and I think they might have a little bit better fuel mileage than the Hondas, so it'll be interesting to see.
2: Yeah, it should be good. Um, Malcolm, thank you so much for jumping on board. It's been a lot of fun.
1: It's been a pleasure, and I see that your finger's now moving away from the dump button.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it certainly Thanks, is. Thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been a pleasure. Thank you to everyone for texting in, sending in your messages on Facebook and whatnot. Thank you to Max as well, and we'll catch you next week for the driver's seat.